Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and it's mailbag time. We just finished our big questions for the Knicks offseason, so naturally now we want to know what your big questions are. So we asked for them, and this first episode it's coming to the question that we're probably going to talk about in a lot of different ways this offseason, but may as well start right now. Development versus trading for players. What should the Knicks be more invested in this offseason and going forward? Can they bank on the development from their players to get as good as they need to be to get better? Do they need to invest in someone from outside of the organization right now to do it? We have a couple great questions that lead us down that path right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. to Locked On Knicks. We want to remind you all that this episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app or the uh, subscription bell, uh, notification bell on YouTube. And then you make sure you never miss an episode. It might be the offseason, but we're still here five days a week for you guys. Maybe sometimes four, but four to five times a week. Let's call it that. We're here a bunch for you guys still during the offseason. So make sure you never miss an episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm Aaron Chief of Nick's site, the Strickland, which you can find strict.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And Gavin, we are getting into mailbag questions. And the first one comes from one of our best mailbag question buddies, Jordan Bub on Twitter, at BubJordan. Uh, of course, I should note, too, before we get into the questions, if you want to ask a question you haven't already, the lines are still open. So like, if you're watching on YouTube, you can comment a question. If you want to go on Twitter, at LockedOnKnicks, we have a tweet out uh, asking for questions, or you can DM us questions, like whatever you feel comfortable doing. But we're happy to just keep answering them, even if it takes us like the rest of the month, and just answer questions. Because we like doing that more than you know trying to come up with what we think you guys want to hear about. We just want to know what you want to hear about. Uh, but our first question from Jordan Bub: Should the Knicks be targeting big stars this offseason, or be banking on internal development and tweaking and improving the margins of the roster? And why do you feel that way, Gavin? Why do you feel, or well, how do you feel, and why do you feel that way? Good question, Alex. Um, uh, this is a little bit of a cop out, but I think it's it's context dependent, right? Who can you get, and at what price? You get the right star at the right price, you go for a star. But I don't think I think the beauty of um, this next offseason is there doesn't have to be any urgency as we're recording this. The Miami Heat and maybe maybe this will all change by the time this episode comes out are, are killing the Boston Celtics. The New York Knicks were very, very close to maybe being in the NBA finals this year. They, they still had to win uh, close out game six, go home, win game seven and then find a way to beat Boston, who I know Miami's killing them right now. I think Boston would have been an extraordinarily tough matchup for the Knicks, but. 
um, with a healthy Emmanuel quickly playing at full capacity with a healthier Julius Randle. Who knows? Like, and, and I'm not saying that to argue like the Knicks as currently constructed should be amongst the favorites to win an NBA championship next year. Like, I think it's more likely the Knicks experience a little bit of a drop off than they get there necessarily. But you can talk yourself into a case that this team is already like on the precipice of that type of conversation. And they're doing so like, let's go through the ages. Like what Emmanuel quickly is 23. RJ Barrett's still 22. Quentin Grimes is 23. Isaiah Hardenstein's 24. Jalen Brunson's is 26, 27. Julius Randall's like 28, 29. Like Mitchell Robinson's 25. Um, I could keep going. Like this is an extremely young team. Like it's not the worst thing in the world to let them bake for another year and say, let's not get crazy. Let's find out what we have. But Alex, you know, you get a chance at maybe the league MVP and Joel Embiid. Theoretically, Paul George, who I've described again, like not in terms of age and his timeline, but in terms of type of player, the one like archetype the Knicks are missing. I don't know. What do you think? Like, I, I don't, I, I just like, like there are stars available every year, but we always say that there aren't perfect stars available every year. And if those guys become available, you kind of got to drop everything and go for them. Yeah. And I think it, like, we'll touch on this in the next segment a bit too. when we talk a little more about like trade targets. Cause our next question is, is heavily uh, talking about trade targets as well. But like, I'm with you. I think, but I also think that there's a lesson maybe to be learned from the team that's getting killed by the heat in the Easter conference finals right now in the Celtics, right? Like there's sort of an interesting case study because in a way they sort of banked on development and yet also sort of like, like they like never went all in. Let's put it that way. Yes. They had, they had Brown and, and Tatum mm-hmm. and then they had like Campbell Walker and Kyrie Irving, obviously, and things, didn't work out with those guys uh, and they signed them as free agents. And yet they also had all these opportunities to make trades over the years. And like, maybe one of those would have cost like Jalen Brown or something. So it's tough to totally say like, Kawhi um, was the guy that they could have gone all in on if they wanted, And then yes. it would have cost them Jalen Brown and they, they didn't want to do it. Or Anthony Davis, like Anthony mm-hmm. Davis was another one that they could have gone after. And, and then apparently didn't pull the trigger because they, you know, they had this war chest of picks and everything else, but they were like, Oh no, but we'll just bank on development a little longer. And, and see where it goes. And now you kind of reach this point where it's like, yeah, those guys are both still really young. Like Brown and Tatum are, are not exactly like old men or anything, but like you're maybe seeing right now, like, oh crap, this team that we sort of went like halfway on for so long, like banking on development and just trying to improve around the margins isn't good enough. And now what do we do? You know, it's like, can a coach fix this? Can one you know, trade fix this, whatever. But now you can't really make those trades anymore either because the war chest dried up, you know, like all those extra draft picks, they don't have those anymore. They're they're. I would have to look at like the real GM page or whatever that has all the draft pick uh, allotments and stuff, but I'm fairly certain that they don't have any extra first round picks coming in at this point. Uh, and for a long time, they had a ton of those and could have made a deal and didn't. And the Knicks sort of find themselves in that same sort of situation right now where it's like, they look, you know, they had not quite the run that like the Celtics had when Tatum was a rookie, um, where they made it to the the conference finals that first year, yep. right? Yeah, that, was when he done, that was when he bammed LeBron. Yes. Boom, yes. He boomed me. He boomed me. That was the quote. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, of course, like had that experience, but ultimately lost to LeBron, but like who didn't during those years. Um, but like, so they didn't quite have that. But this year was like the Knicks definitely got further than we thought. And it sort of raised your eyebrows of like, all right, 
like this team is maybe more ready than we thought. And like maybe it like Jalen Brunson might actually be that like one A star, at least in the playoffs, that can score all the points and do all the clutch stuff that you need. And you just need to like maybe go all in on that now and build the roster while you still can before you like whenever Jalen Brunson's next contract is, he's gonna get paid a lot more than twenty six million dollars a year or whatever. Uh, and it's gonna financially restrict you more in like three years time when the Knicks hopefully re-up him. Uh, so I don't know. I, it, I go back and forth uh, and this is going to be my sentiment this whole off season. Like I'm sort of with you where it, it, I think being opportunistic is key. Um, that said, I think that you have to balance that with a small sense of urgency to just say like, you know what, if a deal comes along and maybe you feel like it's a 15% overpay, maybe just do it anyway, because it's probably for the best that you take your shot as long as you're not completely shooting yourself in the foot going forward. Yeah, because the window the window can close a lot quicker than you expect. Like um, Bill Simmons talked about a lot with the Celtics last year, like when, when people were kind of like, wow, this team's maybe a year early. And then you look at this season and it's like, all right, but also maybe did they miss their window? Like, and, and the argument for it at the time was was the Bucs and saying like the Bucs were missing Chris Middleton and the Bucs with him last year probably beat the Celtics. Um, and it didn't end up being the Bucks, but it ended up being the Heat. And, and if you're the Knicks, like you could get the wrong first, like you could you could get Miami in the first round again, like and maybe they out tough you again, or maybe Eric Spolster like pulls Tom Thibodeau's pants down again in front of the whole school, like that that would suck. Um, <laughs> maybe like like it's not a guarantee, like there there are no guarantees, and you insulate yourself against that with more star talent. Um, but I think the case for giving it one more year is you saw the flashes from so many guys on the Knicks from Emmanuel quickly from Quentin Grimes, from RJ Barrett in these playoffs that gave you an indication that like, all right, maybe there's a little bit more on the vine there with those guys. And I don't think they're going to be depreciating assets. Like even if the same stars that are available this summer, let's just say Embiid gets dealt somewhere else or, or Paul George gets dealt somewhere else. Like these guys do tend to come along every year. There's a world we're in free agency, like 2025 is considered the big free agency season. Like in free agency, the Knicks could be in the mix for one of those guys and you don't even have to give up assets. Or if you're trading guys, you're doing so like at your own discretion instead of being forced into it. Like, I think there's a very compelling case for saying like Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, and RJ Barrett will all be more valuable next season than they are right now. And obviously with, with Quickly, like that's contingent on them signing him to an extension, Alex. But like, if you think all these guys are going to improve and you think you're pretty close already, like, why not see what that is just in the context of this team? But even if it doesn't work out from a team-wide perspective, like, you might be able to trade them for a star next year while keeping more draft picks or trading less of them because the whole point is when you get that star, as the Knicks thought last year with Donovan Mitchell, there still has to be enough left that you can win with them. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, that's where, like, I think the Knicks probably looked at Donovan Mitchell last year and a didn't know just how good the team was going to be. Cause none mm -hmm. of us did, including Leon Rose. Like if you put a gun into Leon Rose's head and said, like, did you think the Knicks were going to be this good this year? I've been like, hell no. <laughs> like, of course not. Cause nobody did. They thought they, they were going to be a little better and maybe like win 42 games or something. And, mm -hmm. you know, call that a win and have a point guard that could be, you know, baseline competent for the first time in forever. Um, but like, I, I think that when they looked at Mitchell last year, they thought, this is more than a 15% overpay. This is like a like 60% overpay. You know what what Danny Ainge wants and and it seemed like Danny Ainge was sort of putting a Knicks tax on it just because it seemed like he was annoyed about the fact that they were so far and away the favorite 
and seemed to be the only team that wanted to talk to him, you know, at first about Mitchell, uh, or at least even entertain meeting any sort of price for him. Yeah, and and, and show show Bodie in their their efforts to go get him, like a little bit, like yeah. that slightly overplayed, but they they did what they did. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't help that like the whole New York angle and Mitchell being from New York and all that stuff, like yeah kept that you know it, it was it was like a real like oh you think you're gonna screw me just wait yeah Damn absolutely yeah. It, where where Ainge thinks that he has to win every trade by like and he'd also just traded Rudy Gobert for like way more than Rudy Gobert's worth too so he was definitely feeling himself yeah um so you know hopefully the star market starts kind of correcting itself but like you might still have to overpay a little bit as it's on its way down as long as they don't completely void themselves of players like if they sort of void the pick chest a little bit I will be much less heartbroken than if they void the players Mm -hmm. because the players are what has made this team so good so far. And if they invest in them, I think they could be good. So there might be a world where they can sort of have their cake and eat it too, Uh, which we'll talk about in the next segment because we're going to talk about a little more about this uh, banking on development versus, uh, versus, you know, going after a star or like some form of improvement uh, with this team going forward. But I do have to real quick remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by game time. And I don't know if you all are like me as far as when you go ahead and get your tickets for an event, but I'm not always a plan ahead person. My wife is the planner. I'm the the vibes guy. I'm the like, oh, what are we doing this weekend? I, I wouldn't mind going to a Mets game or I wouldn't mind going to a, a show or I wouldn't mind going to a Knicks game when it's Knicks season. And that's where game time comes in. It's one of the best ways to get tickets if you're like me and you don't necessarily want to get them right away you can get flash deals and last minute tickets easy to find it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area you get images of seat views and you get the lowest price guarantee event cancellation protection job loss protection and more with game time it's the place for last minute tickets you don't have to plan months in advance anymore game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason you can get images of your seat like i said you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps in your set and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email so sag the tickets you want without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase that's that's great for a baseball game that's like half a ticket uh, terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. And we're back in to continue with our first mailbag of the offseason, Gavin. And I'm sure there'll be more to come because, like I said, we love hearing from you guys. So we're going to keep doing these mailbag shows the rest of this week or as long as we have questions. So if you have something that's on your mind, that we're not covering in this show or whatever, like feel free to ask it either on Twitter, YouTube comments. Like we'd love to have more questions. Uh, the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but our next question sort of in a similar vein to our, our first question, but allows us to kind of keep the same discussion going along with some trade targets comes from FC at Fraser D Coleman on Twitter. Fraser wants to know what does another year of development and chemistry building quote by the Knicks next season and postseason? Do you see any realistic practical trades that would outperform the organic improvement captured above. Rank your top three trade targets with details. Thanks. Now, 
when it came down to this, Gavin, we each wrote down three. We did have one overlap, so I came up with someone different, but we did each come up with three trade targets here. I feel like we sort of covered the part with the development and chemistry building part in the first segment. So if you have anything else to add to that, but like otherwise, we could probably dive right into our target list. Yeah, um, let's let's start with the obvious one. Um, Joel Embiid, um, and and maybe this this stretches the realm of realistic and practical because we've heard we've heard mixed reports on i know um stefan bondi of the daily news said like um like he was hearing like as far back as like mid-season um that uh Embiid would be a realistic target for the knicks and the report this week from our our co-worker alex uh, keith pompey of locked on sixers for the philadelphia inquirer that james harden wants out uh of philadelphia seems to make that a more realistic possibility at the very least that Embiid will ask out. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this within the confines of realism, even if there have been some reports to the contrary that have said like Embiid is a long shot target for the Knicks. Even if he asks out, I believe I, I, I'm not going to say this hundred um, percent unless you know it, Alex, I think Ian Begley had that. Um, but that being said, uh, let, let's, let's call it realistic. Um, Joel Embiid. Um, I think he is the kind of guy you gamble on if you're the New York Knicks and he's never been fully healthy in the postseason. Um, he's never advanced to the conference finals, despite nominally having the better roster around him in some series. And he completely no showed, uh, game seven in Boston after not doing much down the stretch of game six in Philadelphia with a chance to win that series to go to the conference finals. And he, he's a bit mystifying to me because in the regular season, right, you see it in certain matchups. Like he, he had that game against Jokic in March this year, where that was sort of like, all right, this is a showdown for the MVP, right? And he, he kicked Jokic's butt that game. He dominated him. You don't want to read too much into one game, but you sometimes see this killer in Joel Embiid, but then you also hear the questions like, is he ever fully in shape? Like, does he ever want to like, like it was a big thing early in his career when he, when he gave up having 20 Shirley temples a day, right? Like Virgin Shirley temples to be clear. Um, Like, is he going to go all in on himself, all in on his work? And despite his incredible production, his incredible talent, like, Part of it is just his body, but I think the fact that he gets hurt year after year and like maybe this is unfair because I don't know firsthand, but there are indicators there that like he's not fully committed. And if you're the Knicks, like are you going to be fully committed to him and that you're willing to give up your full war chest for this guy? I I do think, I I still think there's a case for it just because of how amazing of a two-way player he is, the way he can open up the lane with his shooting and just having a pairing between him and Brunson that would mark the best teammate of Embiid's career. And I think, someone who at their apex like could be the best player in the NBA finals with whatever you want to say about Brunson I don't think he is quite there maybe I'm proven wrong about that one day yeah and you could argue too that Brunson would be his best co-star of his career yeah that's what I'm saying yeah Yeah, like like Harden isn't it anymore (laughs) clearly so yeah I think I think that whether Brunson would be the one a or Embiid would be the one a that would be like I would say the most dynamic combo that either of them have been part of, but maybe you could argue Luka Doncic over Joel Embiid, but either way, really potent combination where both guys can score like crazy. That said, it would cost potentially a ton to get Embiid, but also, I mean, he's worth it. He's, he's the MVP like for a reason, like he's, he's one of the most dynamic players that has, as far as a big man is concerned, that has ever touched the NBA. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a worthy consideration um, for the Knicks there. I'll throw another guy out there, a sort of familiar name 
that maybe people haven't thought about in a minute, but uh, Christoph Porzingis could be a potential target. Uh, now there's some uh, intrigue as far as what his contract is going to be, because I believe he can opt out uh, of his contract this off season. So he might choose to hit the free agent market, which could make him a sign and trade uh, a possibility for the Knicks. If the wizards were willing to work on a deal, which if, Porzingis wanted to come to the Knicks and they could get something out of the Knicks in exchange. Uh, I don't see why the Wizards wouldn't do that if he was just going to leave anyway. Uh, so he's an intriguing possibility. I mean, he just had, I was just looking at his stats and I'm kind of blown away just how good he was this year. Like he had a really good year, quite frankly, 23 points, uh, 50% from the field, almost 40% from three uh, on five and a half attempts per game. So like no fool's gold there. Like he, that was real shooting numbers uh, shot 85% from the free throw line on six and a half attempts per game. Uh, and also still good shot blocker, not quite as prolific as he was in his time with the Knicks, uh, but one and a half blocks per game and a steal per game, which are both good numbers all on his way to 23 points per game. Uh, I think the main thing, if you would commit to going with him over say like, I would imagine that the idea there would be like trade him for Mitchell Robinson uh, in the starting lineup for the Knicks would be how much are you losing out on rebounding? Uh, that said, I can't claim to have watched a ton of Porzingis this year, but if you just look at the numbers, they were a better rebounding team as far as total rebound percentage is concerned when he was on the floor than off the floor, uh, which could have something to do with his teammates as well. But those are the numbers you like to see. Like Mitchell Robinson doesn't put up like a double double every game, but Sometimes he'll get eight rebounds, but still does enough of the dirty work boxing out and stuff like that, that he's influencing rebounds and stuff. So uh, I think Porzingis would make an interesting target potentially uh, for the Knicks if they want to go that route. Gavin, we still have a few guys each, well, two guys each to to go over here. Uh, but I think that before we do that, we should probably let everybody know about prize picks and where they can go if they want to maybe play some games not related to the Knicks this offseason uh, and and make some money doing it. They're, they're, they're games worth playing because there is a lot of money on the line. A $1 million daily Superflex promotion every day of the NBA playoffs through the finals. One prize pick user will get a chance to win a million dollars and become a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. EST will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks for a million dollars, five correct picks for 80000 and four correct picks for 16000 And full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash a million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry once you opt in. All you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. So what does playing the game like normal include? It includes picking over-unders on individual player production to score more or less than their prize picks projection. And in doing so, you can win 25 times your money on any entry. Now, a lot more than that with a special promotion. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. They're offered in all sports, and it's just you against the projections available. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, back to. Um, our conversation on potential Knicks trade targets. I just want to comment on KP. Um, 
he's ideal in terms of the mold of player he is. I am still concerned about the injuries with him. Played 65 mm-hmm. games this year. That was great. Um, there was a reason that uh, we were making fun of Dallas for making that trade and 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 roasting the guy to high heavens. I, and not not even him, because I, I, I feel a lot of sympathy for um, his plight in terms of the injuries, um, regardless of how it ended with the Knicks. But that is a that is a real concern in terms of someone to hit your wagon to. In terms of archetype of player, like again, pretty ideal fit. Like not the same athlete that he was early in his career, but is compensated by getting stronger and some real skill development. So I, I I'm, I, I'm long, long time accused of being a, a disproportionate fan of his. I, I would be interested in, in that kind of deal. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic is the next guy. I had had one of the best seasons of his career for the Detroit Pistons this year. Arguably, like obviously Steph Curry's in a category of his own. Um, after that, after Damian Lillard, like in the mix for like the best high volume three point shooter in basketball this year, I know, I know, uh, all of us in Knicks fandom were, were making a case for, uh, uh, our guy Randall at points this year, but six attempts per game and only 32 minutes per game shot 41.1% from three that is outstanding Averaged 21 and a half points per game, which was a career high four rebounds, two and a half assists. The concern is he's, he's 34 years old, Alex. That was probably the peak of what you're going to get from him. But in terms of having another shooter, um, he would be incredible. Plus some creation ability. Um, the concerns come in on defense. And then of course, like with all these guys, like what, what is the trade? Where are you going to play? And like, are you trading like Quentin Grimes straight up for him? Um, that would be a good move. If you think you're going to win the finals this year. If you don't think that, then that is a tough pill to stomach because Grimes is a guy, obviously, with a very long runway at 23 years old. That is different than Bogdanovich at 34. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Like, it's it all comes down to, like, it, what Fraser asked in this question was, like, you know, what are realistic trades you think would outperform the organic development, right? So this is sort of like the question of like what risks would you be willing to take like to potentially impact the short term? And I, I like, I love Bogdanovich too, but the reality is, is like, they're probably going to resign Josh Hart. Maybe that's what the answer is. Is like, if they weren't going to resign Josh Hart and wanted to replace his production with a guy that can kind of float between the three and the four a bit and provide like consistent three point shooting, which was obviously the thing that for all the great things that Josh Hart did, the thing that really shot the Knicks in the foot, in the end with him was that he couldn't confidently take three pointers against the heat. Uh, maybe that's it. But you know, other than that, yeah. Are you then saying like, okay, well, you know, you got to trade for him. So I guess, you know, trade Quentin Grimes. And then it's like, well, damn, now you just sent Quentin Grimes to a burgeoning young team and he's pro- in your conference and he's probably going to do some really good stuff with Kate Cunningham and Jalen Duran and Jade Nivey and all these guys. And you're yeah. going to have to deal with him for years. Uh, so do you really want to take that chance real, real quick though? The idea of like, let's just say like RJ does is basically the guy we saw in the playoffs last year, but just maybe because of a shooting, still someone you can't consistently close with in the playoffs. Like the idea of Brunson Grimes, Bogdanovich, Randall, Mitch, like just having like two guys, you absolutely can't leave. Like, I, I just think of like what the heat have been doing with Duncan Robinson, where like, like if you have a great defensive coach and a great defensive infrastructure and everyone else can kind of hold their own um, to some extent or another, like you can, like we've seen Miami survive, like playing him and like, not that Brunson, like maybe Gabe Vincent is like an iota better than Brunson defensively. But like, that's not like, like, especially if Grimes takes another step forward on that end, becomes like an all defense type guy. Like you can, you can make that work theoretically. Yeah. I think it would be interesting too. You know, I, I, that said, I don't necessarily know that I would see the Knicks doing it, but I wish that they would at least consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I really like Hart and I really like everything he brought to the team. And obviously, when you pay a first round pick to get him, you're sort of just saying, you know, we're going to resign this guy because yeah. otherwise, what was the point of trading that first round pick just for like a rental? I mean, theoretically, um, like you could, like, couldn't you trade him like before the deadline for Bogdanovich, like with a pick attached or something? Like if you wanted to like split the split the difference there, maybe. Oh, like next year? Yeah, yeah, yeah potentially. Yeah, I, I, which I mean, then you just look at it as like a as a totality of like, okay, now we've spent two first round picks cumulatively to to get Bogdanovich or whatever, but maybe that's just what he's worth. I don't know. And maybe they would look at a heart and be like, this is a great guy to to mentor, you know, the the younger guys and and set a tone for what they want to do. Cause certainly a team with Cade and Jaden Ivey and Josh Hart would be doing exactly what Josh Hart wants to do all the time. Just like run, 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 run. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, like that's like like setting him out to pasture, you know. Like he's yeah. just have a blast doing that. Go have fun, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Um, speaking of guys or a guy that maybe is less fun, teammate of the last guy that I just mentioned, and that team certainly had its problems. So it's tough to sort of like when you look at the pure collection of talent on the Washington Wizards, you think to yourself, like, hmm, like why this it's weird that this didn't work out better than it did. But Bradley Beal is a guy that maybe would be interesting to the Knicks. And this would be another guy that I would think would be like a sort of a Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel quickly, like a guy that if you don't want to bank on the development of those two guys, maybe you go for a Bradley Beal, obviously already a guy that at points of his career has been over a 30 point per game score. Uh, as recently as two seasons ago, he averaged 31.3 points per game on 49% from the field, 35% for three on decent volume and 89% from the free throw line on 7.7 attempts. So like very, very talented player, very talented scorer, uh, a guy that likewise to Porzingis and to Embiid and some other guys has his issues staying on the court, has played 57, 60, 40, and 50 games his last four seasons, uh, which is less than ideal. Obviously, the 2019-20 the season was a little cut short thanks to COVID, so that 57 number isn't entirely on him, but... Uh, it's that's a concern, but the, also the cost to acquire him would maybe be a concern, Gavin. I I don't know if he is the answer. He's also one of those guys that's like stubborn, like Dame Lillard, that just keeps being like, I just want to win in Washington and I'll stay here no matter what. Uh, but at a certain point, you would think that he and the organization would both think, now nah, maybe it would be more beneficial for us and for you if we sent you somewhere else. Maybe that's the Knicks. I, I, I could certainly see a world where, you know, if you bring him in and you essentially say, okay, this is the guy that we trade, you know, Quentin Grimes in a package for, uh, along with some picks and, you know, whatever else you want to trade for him and he can stay healthy. Like that's a potentially very potent lineup with him, Brunson. And if you could then make Randall like a third option on offense that could then, you know, feed off of those two. Maybe you're cooking with gas at that point. It's an intriguing option if you want to sort of accelerate things and get a more complete score in there instead of Quentin Grimes right now. Yeah, and I, I I am far from a cap expert, but the concern there is is fifty million dollars yeah, in five, 20, five year, yeah. two hundred fifty one million dollar yeah. contract. Yeah, so that 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 is tough. Um, but yeah. I so I think you like the Knicks would have to do some real gymnastics. Like I I think you'd probably have to get off Randall like so, or or RJ in like a separate deal. I think you could, you could probably, if you just had to make the, I forgot to bring up the money too. That is very yeah, concerning. Sure. Like, I mean, he literally, but in 2026 to 27, which is a small eternity from now, yeah. he could be making almost $60 million. Right. And he won't be that. He'll be like 33 or 34 that season. So like, that's yeah. like, 
like he should still be like about the same guy that you're like the way NBA players currently age. So that you that's would, not you would hope. Yeah. 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 But uh to match that salary right now, which is closer to 45 to 50 million, mm. you could probably get away with RJ Barrett with his extension kicking in. Uh Evan Fournier's final year of his deal and you could opt Derrick Rose in and use him as part of the trade and then yeah. That would get you there. So you could do that and then like Grimes plus picks, but that would mean like, okay, are we willing to now give up Grimes and RJ? That would probably mean elevating quickly to the starting lineup and running sort of a three-guard lineup or something like that. Yeah. Be be interesting to say the least. Yeah, I think you would need to like find a way to convince Washington that it's like RJ and like, I don't know about all the picks, but maybe all the picks, like RJ and like eight picks, like that's that's the deal. Like like if, if you're doing that, like, like he's your all-in move and it's different than making Joel Embiid your all-in move and that Embiid is a drastically better player. But with Beal, you get to keep, like, your tertiary talent. And if I'm the Knicks, like, I'm maybe, like, I'm at the very least, I'm not a year away from that. I'm a half year away from that. I am waiting to see, like, all right, can Quentin Grimes be, like, I don't know, like, 50%, 60% of what Beal is at offense? Can Emmanuel quickly be 80%, 85% of what Beal is on offense with better defense? Like, I'm... I'm sitting on that a little bit, but the idea of like making RJ the centerpiece of the deal, like I, I think we're we're gonna keep coming back to this, Alex. I think as long as we discuss this, that like one of RJ or Randall is gonna is not gonna be on the team if the Knicks win an NBA championship. Because I, I just I just think the shooting isn't good enough with those two guys. Like and like the, the combination of like shooting defense and like as much as RJ improved in this, like quick read playmaking, like I, I, I don't think you're pulling that off. Like I, I like we've said it for years. Like I don't think those two are the long-term answer. And I think with Beal, you're unlocking like the Knicks were a top five offense last year. Heck, they were a top five offense in NBA history last year, despite not being a very good shooting team. Um, that's because they didn't turn the ball over. They crashed the offensive glass. They got out in transition, like yada, 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 yada. Um, like Beal opens up like a much prettier, if that's the right word, like efficient, like, um, cosmetically enjoyable type of offense for the New York Knicks that I think Alex, these like the Knicks offense fell off a cliff in the playoffs. Like I think translates to the playoffs much better than their current infrastructure. Yeah. And you know what? I'll just throw my last guy out there too. Cause I, it, and then I'll throw it to you for the, your final guy, but like uh, in a similar vein, and I almost look at this as like a, like the a and B option of this equation. Like, if they wanted to make that same type of move for like a guy that can create his own shot, that could shoot the three consistently, then unfortunately also has health concerns. Like Chris Middleton could potentially be a free agent this offseason. Now, granted, you would have to then get Milwaukee to like work with you on that for a sign and trade. And Middleton would have to say, I'm only going to New York, make this sign and trade happen. If you could pull that off, that similar, similar vibes and yet similar concerns as far as health and you know, getting hurt in the moments when you really don't need him to get hurt. That seems to be the case with Beal. Definitely the case with Middleton, who seems to get hurt every single playoffs, uh, which I guess could be said also for Embiid and maybe also for Porzingis. It's sort of a, there's a reason why these guys would potentially be available, I guess. Uh, but that would be another guy I would look at. And you could basically cut and paste everything that you just said, I think, about Beal in there for Middleton, just at a slightly lower level. But it, I think he would, provide many of the same things to the Knicks. Yeah, I think I'm I'm concerned that he is on a bit of a decline. Like obviously like missed very famously, missed the postseason um a year ago. 
and then just it was not the same dude this year. Like, like you you look at the statistical drop off, right? Like here 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 was his last five years before this season: twenty points per game, eighteen points per game, twenty one points per game, twenty points per game, twenty points per game. This year, all the way down to fifteen. And look, like part like a significant factor there is he went from. 32 and a half minutes the last two years or 33 minutes the last two years to playing 24 minutes. So of course that was a factor, but you also look at the efficiency drop off. I get age 28. He's shooting 50% from the field, 42% from three year after that, 48% from the field, 41% from three, the year before last year, 44% from the field, 37% from three this year, 44% from the field, 31 and a half percent from three. So he is not, he's like a little bit less on my radar just because like, like the lingering knee issues scare me a bit and the relative inefficiency scares me a bit. And if he wasn't hyper efficient again, playing off of Giannis and drew holiday and Brooke Lopez, like, is that going to shift to New York? Like, I, I don't know. Like, like the guy he was three years ago, I'm with you picture. Perfect fit for the Knicks. I don't know if he's still that dude. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure either. Uh, and maybe they should try going younger, which they could with, with your last guy here. Yeah, OG Ananobi. Um, obviously, someone we were talking about around the deadline. Toronto had an absurd price for him. I wonder if in the post-Nick Nurse era, Alex, like, does Toronto's formula change a little bit? Where they had this team that was like kind of designed to torture other teams while also torturing their own fans, right? Like a bunch of like big, long, mean, strong dudes that would like brutalize you defensively and like even sometimes teams would score on them but it would just look ugly but their offense was like played in like a rubik's cube like they they were like packed in even with some shooting like there was a lot of overlap between scotty barnes siakam og and i still think og's like ultimately like with with scotty like we will not trade him for kevin durant barnes um as one of those three guys and like pascal siakam is your all nba guy like OG is still the logical man out. I know with Memphis, they're saying like, all right, throw us three or first, three or four first round picks. I think the price is significantly down this offseason. And I love what he brings to the table as a defender, as an offensive player. But I want to throw this back at you, Alex. Like the trade du jour for us and like for Knicks fans throughout the year, and like even late in the season was like RJ Barrett for him. And I think Toronto fans, like at the time, were like scoffing at that a little bit and saying, like, this dude sucks. Like you guys don't even want him on your team. But with how RJ played in the playoffs, like, do you like the trade off of OG being like a better shooter? and a far better defender for what RJ brings to the table as a creator. Uh, I I think what I like the most about potentially trading RJ for OG would be the, the defensive versatility you get mm-hmm. to like, like not just the fact that he's a better defender, but the fact that you could comfortably put him at the four mm-hmm. as like a backup, you know, and like play a smaller lineup and not have to be like, okay, now one of RJ or Josh Hart has to be the functional four of this lineup when we go small, uh, you know, you could play Josh Hart like at the three and then have OG out there as the four and like, feel like, okay, this guy can like kind of lightly defend the rim and stuff like that. Like, and you know, clearly has the wingspan and everything else. And now I would say at this point in his career, the heft to, you know, stand up to fours. Uh, I think that, I think that would be one of the things I would like the most. I would dislike the, the lack of creation, like as far as creating for others that you would uh, lose there. Uh, And then I also, OG did not get to the line nearly as much as RJ, right? Am I not crazy about that? Yeah. Only two and a half attempts per game from the free throw line. And we just talked about recently, like RJ has had two straight seasons of around six attempts per game at the line, uh, which 
you definitely would would miss that because there are certainly times where, especially if you're pairing him with Julius Randle, like Randle goes through phases where he doesn't want to go in and draw free throws as much. Uh, so then you would pretty much only have Brunson out there as a guy that can reliably go inside or quickly if you have both of them out there. But like probably only one guy in the game at a time is whether it's Brunson or quickly that can reliably go out there and draw free throws uh, for you and get you those points. So is the trade-off in three-point efficiency like that worth it in OG's favor? I don't know. I think it would probably come out to about a wash, like mm. in the the scoring department, you know. And you see that if you look at their scoring numbers and stuff. But I think that once you look at like the, it, it would come down to like the creation versus the defense, you know, and and who's outweighs what. I think if I think basically what it would come down to for me is if you could do it like a one for one swap, it would be a strong consideration for me. But I don't think it would be, and I think the Toronto would come back being like, well, we want, you know two or three first round picks in addition to RJ Barrett. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> it's yeah. definitely not worth that. To and me. I think OG for, for hard plus picks is maybe like the way that would actually go down. And that would mm. be kind of weird. Like you're treating OG like really like a luxury piece, like saying like, we're going to go get him and we're only going to play him like 26 minutes a game. Mm. And like, he's just going to be a curveball that we can throw on like the best wings in the league. Um, and like, I don't know, this is a, a conversation for another day, but I always question the value of like going all in on like an elite perimeter defender because like the Jimmy Butler's of the world, the Jason Tatum's of the world, they just still seem to get their buckets no matter what. Mm-hmm. So like, do, like how much does that change your life? Like it, it's, it's an interesting philosophical question, um, but it's one for another day, Alex. Um, and I, I, real quick on that same point, yeah. it just made me think of all throughout the 2000s and the 2010s. How many guys were invested in to be quote LeBron stoppers like at the trade deadline and whatever? Michael Petrus, stand up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just never happens. It never works. <laughs> Tony Allen, Tony Allen did some good work. So like there, yeah. there are guys and like I think OG is like borderline in that category, but it's it's really on the margins, and it's why we like we always say like you you like value offense over defense. Um, all right, guys, that is all we have time for for today. We're gonna come back answering more of your questions, including. I'm like, we're, we're going to go like, we kind of went big fish hunting in this episode. We're going to go like Megalodon hunting in future episodes. We could pick a perfect star from across the league to pair with Jalen Brunson. Who would it be? We'll talk about that and so much more next time on Locked on Knicks. <laughs>